Hi, I'm Kim. And I'm Amy. Welcome to Farm Vet Journal Club. Hi, Kim. How's your week been? It's been good. How has yours been? It's good. Spring has definitely sprung. It's been a busy one for you very busy lambs everywhere <laughs> um, so what have you got for me this week uh so this week I have a paper that was from cattle practice so the BCVA and it's about the control of salmonella Dublin in dairy herds it's a 2017 paper and it's by Henderson from SAC cool yeah so we'll start off with a bit of a background on Salmonella Dublin. Most of it, I'm sure, is like a nice little recap anyway. So Salmonella Dublin is a zoonotic disease with welfare and economic considerations. They've found from previous papers that economic losses when modelled are highest on the first year of infection after introduction and then continue after that year on year but obviously the most significant impacts are when the herd is like most naive so the first year of introduction and the main component of that economic loss is due to reduced milk yields but also mortality abortions treatment costs and also farmers time for like treating sick animals and that sort of thing. So they referenced a 2015 paper that found that unvaccinated herds with a positive bulk tank sample to Salmonella Dublin produce on average 316 kilos less per 305 day lactation when compared to unvaccinated herds with a negative bulk tank sample. So there are significant economical impacts that um, infection has. That's a massive amount of milk per 305 day lactation yeah it um, is isn't it and if you've had say you've had that big boom of infection then you're just a few years down the line you might not even realize how much milk you're still losing no I agree also um obviously mortality and, and morbidity are welfare issues as well and that's especially in calves and they say like that underreporting is likely to be a problem yeah do you do I much surveillance as a practice so a couple of years ago, um, we did a load of bulk milk testing across a load of our herds. And we got in like a few different practices because they all kind of collated the data. Mm. Some places up to 50% positive on bulk milk, which was a massive surprise. But I was really surprised at the amount of positives we got off tracheal washes in calves. Yeah, it's not That's... something that you like think about. Well, I don't think about it in young stock respiratory disease, but I'm definitely going to like going forward. For sure. Yeah, it's something that I you expect your your, your IBRs, your PI threes, your RSVs, and then something like oh no, it's salmonella. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't where I was expecting to go down this. And I must admit, personally, I have trouble finding salmonella on farms. Like you know, when a farm screams salmonella, yeah. you just can't find it. But I always tend to find it. If I do find it, it'll be in the calves, not the adult stock. Mm. I find testing for it can be really pesky. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think we, I found the other way around, but I think that's because I don't actually test calves for salmonella like ever, unless they're, unless it's scouring calves, but like for like pneumonia cases, I don't ever test for salmonella for those, but I will going forward. And we 
have had like a fair number of positive cases in adult cattle, but they're not always salmonella Dublin, to be fair. We've had a bit mm. of a mix of different things. But um, yeah, so we have seen some outbreaks on our across our practice as well in the last like few years, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I do sort of think that we maybe have a bit of an opinion of like, well, I don't really think the farmers are going to vaccinate. So what can we really do about it? Obviously, if you've got like a sick animal in front of you, but I mean, like in terms of surveillance, of like bulk tank sampling, I do feel like that's kind of been our opinion as of late. And I think I'm based on this, like on this paper, I'm going to change that opinion, hopefully. So I think this paper's raised a lot of things that will change my approach to salmonella on a herd. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so I'll just cover a little bit of the pathogenesis as a bit of a recap as well. So it's mainly um, fecal-oral transmission. Transmission in pregnant animals is most likely to lead to abortion rather than infection in the calf. And clinical disease is most common in calves between two weeks and three months old. High risk factors. So they looked back at like previous studies and found that high risk factors included basically all of your biosecurity breaches. So buying animals in, going to shows and back, personnel that go between different farms, etc. Also farms that have high stocking densities. I guess it's just because of like rapid transmission and also quite a high correlation with liver fluke as well and they didn't they don't really know whether that's because there's like that link of water like so quite like wet pastures maybe but they also found that the co-infection of having salmonella and liver fluke makes clinical signs like worse because obviously like you're already a little bit immunosuppressed by one or the other interesting yeah and that cows can be carriers so they can be shedding like intermittently and carry it in lymph nodes so you can end up with endemic disease in the herd like because of these persistent infect persistently infected animals and we don't really know why some become carriers and some manage to like pass the like obviously have an immuno response and then just sort of get over it basically clinical presentation diarrhea respiratory signs malaise dead animals milk drop and then even neurological signs they found in um, a couple of calves that had been submitted really That's such a wide presentation of um clinical signs like you always think salmonella diarrhea that's always the first thing that goes to your mind yeah um actually you can see it in your respiratory signs malaise you can simply see it in milk drop so i definitely think we're not testing enough yeah, definitely. And I always, like we were saying earlier, like I always just associate other diseases with like those signs as well. Like I just don't, it just doesn't scream salmonella a lot of those things and I need to push it up the, the diagnostic list for sure. Yeah, um, definitely. Because that list of clinical signs could be anything. I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's say you've got a herd that's even screaming salmonella or isn't, maybe it's not even massively on your list, but you want to rule it out. I find diagnostics an absolute nightmare with this disease because there are just so many options and some of them just don't seem that good at tests and I really struggle to find the answer. So what what has this paper said about diagnostics? Yeah, so they did a really nice summary actually based on whether you're trying to test an individual for either current salmonella infection or historic infection. So that would either be by faecal culture or serology. Faecal culture is between like 60 and 100% sensitive depending on the clinical signs that the animal's got and they just say definitely don't pull samples so just sort of 
test individual animals um, as they are. And then, so interestingly, they had, they've got a whole like ream of ways that you can be doing some herd testing. Some are a lot better than others. So slurry culture was one, but it's only 45% sensitivity, which is just pretty pants. You can also test drinking water and um, bulk tank filters for culture as well, but they're really poor sensitivity of like 7%. And then this is like the thing that I'm definitely going to take forward as well. Bulk tank testing, uh, which for just one single, like a one-off test has a pretty poor sensitivity of 54%, or you could do three tests. So like every month do a test and that's um, will then boost your sensitivity to 95%. I think I'm definitely going to add this to my sort of quarterly surveillance that I'd be doing on a lot of my farms anyway. Exactly. You're already doing the bulk milk sampling quarterly for lepto, BBD, IBR, fluke, whatever you want to be testing for. So ticking another box to say, oh, you know what, should we add some salmonella into that? Isn't difficult when you're already getting those milk samples in. No, exactly. And then over to like by this time next year or in like nine months time, we should have a pretty good idea across those farms once we've got three tests in about what our actual, the, the what the real picture is for our clients kind of thing. So another way is also that you could, basically do like a like we do with the young stock cohorts for bvd you can do that for calves aged four to six months old so don't test anything that's under three months old because of maternally derived antibodies but you could basically do uh, every animal in that age group or if you've got a lot make sure that you do like 10 from each group that they're in like we would for the bvd uh young stock cohorts so that would also give you a better snapshot because that's got a sensitivity of 91%. That would also be quite nice if you are doing a BVD testing. You just want, again, ticking another box on the paper. Yeah, exactly. It's no extra work. There's, a, there's an extra lab cost, but there's no actual, like, extra vet fee cost. No, exactly. So that has really changed my opinion on how I'm going to be testing in herds. A one-off test is kind of pointless. We need to be doing constant surveillance, whether that's either routinely quarterly book milk testing or when you're young stock screening also sending in for salmonella just to see what's going on on farm so let's say we've, we've got our herd we've got our positives what is the best way to control salmonella in your herd so the best ways are kind of multifactorial approaches so essentially I think we've got to think of this as more of almost like a yoni's control plan where we're trying to prevent infection of calves because they're the ones that are going to suffer most with clinical disease. So a lot of control around calving pen management and calf hygiene. So um, minimise the number of cows that are in calving pens. Definitely do not house sick cows in calving pens. And then well, like disinfect. Oh, that's a massive pet peeve of mine is sick cows in calving pens it's just such a disaster waiting to happen yeah I read that earlier and was like oh hardly anyone does that anymore and then you think oh no actually I do have a few clients that whenever you go to the calving yard you're like oh I don't think she's in here because she's about to calve um so yeah basically everything that you can think of for yonis in terms of like calving pen management so yeah I thought it was a really good interesting point in this paper that I hadn't really considered so yeah, there was some work carried out by Ohio State University on Yoni's disease back in 2008. And there was 88 cows that go through the calving pen in a year. And seven of those 88 were fecal positive for MAP. And, but, that, but MAP was then found on 33 of the cow's udders. 
So that indicates that it's in the environment. They're either picking it up because the calves are multi-suckling or just from the feces in the environment. And if we can apply that to then salmonella, if you've got unknown salmonella PIs in your herd and then they're in their calving pen and then the calves go around, that is such a massive risk that I hadn't considered before. Yeah. Um, and I've just never really thought about thinking about salmonella like yonis. I mean, obviously, we know that adult cows are going to be shedding all sorts that we don't want young calves to be exposed to. But I just, yeah, never really correlated it hugely with um, salmonella like directly. So, yeah, it was really interesting that part. The good thing is, is that we can test our calves for salmonella, whereas we can't test our calves for yonis. Yes, this is true. So at least we'll have a bit more of an idea. And I guess the end result of the disease is like different. But if you are, I don't know, if you're like a bit stumped by why you've got quite a lot of morbidity in a calf group or something like that, and it's just something else to think about, isn't it? Whereas te- like normally it's like, unless something's scouring, I'm I'm not that keen to yeah. test for salmonella. So if you're trying to get rid of yonis on your herd, you're by almost by accident by coincidence you're also going to be reducing your salmonella yes that's very true so basically we're going to test with our bbd and our quarterly milks that we're doing anyway and we're going to control with our yoni's plan (laughs) yeah that's the plan (laughs) so our other control measures are also very linked to yoni's controls as well so avoiding colostrum pooling maintaining colostrum cleanliness not feeding waste milk to calves and also trying to keep calf groups quite small and stable so not like that's one of my pet peeves is when people pull out sick calves drop them back a group put them back again like they move calves around so much and every time you go you're like none of these ear tags are matching and they have definitely just been all moved all over the shed and that's really oh isolate it leave it alone don't mix it with the cleaner littler ones that can't fight stuff off exactly yeah cool and then so they talk about heifer management so kind of what you would do anyway just based on um on like worm control but avoid grazing heifers where adult cows have been but we'd normally put heifers in front of the grazing cows wouldn't we so that's not probably too much of an issue but something to bear in mind and then just making sure that they've got adequate bedding space and like feed space so just checking those stocking densities again and then for adult cows, checking that they've also got ample space, so good stocking densities. And they just mentioned as well that like trying to test and cull your PI animals is not the way out of this, really. It's because of the intermittent shedding. It's not like trying to find a BBD PI animal. And it's just it doesn't when they've done it on studies, it, it's not the way out of this sort of endemic disease. So it's basically your biosecurity measures and reducing stocking densities and then the vaccine part which is what I was hanging my hat on for this whole thing is very lackluster so the vaccine has only really been shown to reduce the odds of a cow aborting but it and also it's it's only really the claims for the vaccine only induce antibody protection rather than obviously preventing infection or reducing shedding or anything like that so vaccines really need to be used alongside management controls as well yeah I always thought the vaccine did more than um, than it actually does like so I guess it's really useful in those cases where if you have a naive herd and you're getting in you could quickly throw some vaccine in to maybe stop an abortion storm yeah Um, but apart from that 
like if you're having a disastrous time, it's it's part of your arsenal, it's part of your toolbox. But really, in your endemically infected herds, it's not going to make a massive impact. Yeah, that's kind of what I've gauged from this paper. But what control plans have people tried to do to kind of get rid of this disease? So there were some Danish systems put in place, which have kind of evolved throughout the years from like 2002 onwards. And they brought those in because they had around 50 cases of like zoonotic transmission so it was like a voluntary sort of thing to start with and then it's progressed into although they've kind of really gone to town on it now actually and they've like split the country into high and low prevalence areas and then like high prevalence cows can't move from their high area to a low area there's a lot more strict rules about cattle movements and things and they monitor their herds with quarterly bulk milk samples as well to like get an idea of whether these are high risk or low risk um, herds and then they group them sort of accordingly so that's what they do over there SAC did a project so it's quite a small project where they they initially enrolled nine dairy herds in southwest Scotland and in the north of England these were nine herds that had clinical salmonella disease within the previous three months they actually had four drum four farms drop out because when they did further testing, they had zero negative results. So the disease basically hadn't spread throughout the herd. And then their aim was to try and pick out big risk factors from these farms and try and reduce disease across these five farms that were remaining. So five farms isn't really a lot, but it's better than no farms. And I can see why they've cut out those four farms. The herd sizes were pretty reasonable. And they were looking, looks like they were from like one... 50 to about 500 yeah so i think they say the average is about 254 which is a pretty reasonable sized herd but once again it's a small geography and a small number of animals um yeah. but yeah it's it's a good start definitely yeah and i think they're trying to build on a lot of control programs that are already out there and like adapt it to the uk so- they basically agreed with like previous studies and found the carving area to be the big the biggest opportunity for infection followed closely after that by pre-weaning calf management and they found that sampling the youngest 10 calves that were aged over three months old was found to have a herd level sensitivity of 85 percent so that's probably quite mm. a cheap and easy way to do like a bit of a screening program basically our biggest risk areas are calving area which we know that with other diseases and it's just, it's an area where there's a lot of animals which are quite stressed together, going through a stressful event. And then there's these newborn, completely blank slate calves coming out that are just ready to grab hold of infections. Essentially. Yeah. So I think the actual study kind of just mirrored what they found in previous uh, control programs. But again, I, I found it really interesting and it's definitely made me change my sort of the way I tackle salmonella and I definitely think about it a bit more going onto farms I reckon in the future. I know that vaccines actually aren't the be all and end all unless there's an outbreak so I can talk about other preventative measures and risk factors and things. Yeah I learned things. I feel like I've learned things. That is why we're doing this. (laughs) Exactly. Amazing. Oh well I thought this was a really good paper. I enjoyed it. I feel like we learned a lot. Excellent. Yeah, I definitely did. Cool. Okay, Amy, I will catch you next week for another paper. Yes, I look forward to it. See you later. See you then. Bye.